technique and drills make you go faster, not getting fitter and fitter and fitter. More technique, more downwind, and honing skills. You're never too old to change bad habits, and you're never too old to learn new ones. I can teach you all the mistakes. I've had so many mistakes in this life of mine, long life, paddling life, and why should you make the same mistakes when I've already been through there, done that, bought the t-shirt a number of times, Hi there, welcome to the Coach Tulupski podcast. These episodes are taken from Oscar's live interactions with his Oscar's club members and are great for anyone looking for insights into paddling faster and having more fun. Uh, we are about uh, a few hours to total lockdown in South Africa, COVID-19. They've done it a bit differently to most countries. Uh, we on a, last Yesterday we were on 709 uh, COVID cases, positive um, and now, on midnight tonight, on Thursday, we will go into total lockdown, can't drive, can't do anything, so that's going to be very interesting. And, and the interesting part of that is, that is that you're not allowed even to buy alcohol from midnight tonight, so we've stocked up. We don't know how long, how long this, um, this is going to last, so we've got our wine, beautiful wines from, uh, from Cape Town. Well, you know, the funny thing is when you're in these situations where you're going to be in lockdown for, for 21 days, uh, think, of it, think of it as an opportunity. You, could have, you couldn't believe when uh, in uh, November last year I was told that you have cancer and you haven't got much time to live. Your life changes, but you make the best of it. I mean, that's the most important thing. COVID-19 gives you the opportunity to start reading books, start learning educating yourself on something completely different. You've got 21 days, we're not allowed to go out. In South Africa, we can't even drive. You're not allowed to do anything. They're going to be watching us to see if we, um, if we uh, spread this virus. The only way to stop this virus in its tracks is by staying at home. Uh, I've been doing that. Obviously, with my cancer, I've got to be a little bit more careful than most. Uh, tomorrow will be my first day out to go and... Uh, go to the, have my chemo at Constantia Berg, which is about 10 kilometers from the middle of the city. Two and a half, three hours. I hope uh, they haven't got too many cases there, so I don't want to get uh, um, caught with uh, this COVID uh, virus. But uh, before I even go, I'm going to give you a few uh, reads that you should do. Uh, I suggest uh, one of the best books I've, I've read, or I actually do a lot of audio books. Audio books is a great thing to do. You don't have to uh, you can lie down and don't have to strain your eyes to read. So I use audio books. And one of the best books I've read in the last five years is Unbroken. It's a story by, about Louis Zamperini, an Olympic uh, runner. And great book. Uh, it'll take a while to get through it. It's, it's a thick book, but it's very interesting about this Olympic runner that went to uh, the Berlin Olympics uh, and then his story through uh, the Second World War. Fantastic book. And in the same era, there's another book called Boys in the Boat. Boys in the Boat is uh, all about uh, the rowing team from Washington, Seattle, Washington, not uh, Washington, D.C. And these guys trained to try and beat the Germans also in the Second World War. And Louis Zamperini and, and, and the, the rowing team got together on the ship on the way over to Berlin. So very two very interesting stories. Another thing is, as I said to most people, the best way to, to understand things in life is to educate yourself. Now you're going to have a lot of time to educate yourself. 
read and write and educate yourself. I'll be doing a lot of uh, educating on, on, the, on the keto diet and on intermittent fasting. Uh, you can't learn and can't read enough about all these things. I mean, and this is the opportunity. Yeah, 21 days is going to be tough, but I think uh, when you come out at the end, I, I, I'm, I doubt it will only be 21 days in, in South Africa because you can see in, the, in other places around the world it's been longer. It always starts at 21 days and then probably extend. Make the most of it. Don't just eat too much. Uh, plan your days so that they are filled with things to do. Watching a bit of TV, communicating with your family via Zoom. I'm doing a lot of uh, Zoom and things like this. Um, and then uh, again, exactly like this, doing podcasts makes the time go away. Uh, there's no running out to go and get coffee. Make sure you're stocked up on your coffee because you're going to have to do your own uh, coffees. And uh, yes, it's going to be interesting times and uh, I'll be there. I'll be answering questions. I plan to do this podcast once a week. And uh, there are a few questions coming in and uh, we'll take it from there. And what happens is once I finish this podcast, it will get... Uh, saved and then you can watch it on a, on a later stage. At this stage, uh, my health, as you can see, I'm as healthy as I feel, as I look. Um, always uh, upbeat, that's the most important thing. You can either be uh, cower away or be worried about your situation in life. Rather, take it on and, and uh, actually forget about the problems and think, think of only the positive parts. So I've had a few questions. Well, the first question I got is, what sort of training can we do if you can't get in the water? So I can assure you that it's going to be quite difficult. I mean, at the end of the day, you can walk, you can do skipping, you can do planks, you can do all the, the, the static exercises. But the one bit of training that you really should uh, do is, is start training your brain. This is the opportunity where you're going to have two or three hours a day of, of learning how to, uh, even simple things like breathing, something that... People always forget breathing and trying to get get uh, all that stress out of you. I mean, you spend your life at work thinking of when you're going to have this break in, in time. And now you've got this opportunity. It's a perfect opportunity to start breathing and relaxing and, and read up about it. See if it works for you. So so the kind of uh, training you can do is, is hey, set, a, set a goal to be in the morning. I'm going to do... Uh, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and walk around or skip if you're not even I'm not even I'm in an apartment so I, I, I hopefully I can walk up and down the stairs in the morning and up and down I'm on the ninth floor and up and down the stairs in the evening, but those guys that can't leave their their house or can't do anything skipping is one of the best exercises push-ups sit-ups planks all those things and again if you just go online you're gonna find many different exercises you can do just in a small little area like the size of your carpet. Don't let it get down here. I see uh, Edgar Lopez from uh, America, Pan Panama, and Daryl Kong from uh, Perth joining us. Very nice. Aaron, Aaron from Sky, where Rod Davies. Good to have you guys uh, listening. Hopefully, you can learn something. And next question, Claire. Claire's, Claire's going to be the photographer when I change over to uh, uh, change over to coaching, which I'll be doing with Claire filming. Any strength exercise without equipment? That's a good question because many people do, uh, do push-ups with their arms uh, sort of parallel to their shoulders. All you have to do is put your hands closer, 
further and further back, and believe me, they become a strength exercise. Yes, it does change uh, your, your push-up to making more on your triceps, but again, if you want strength exercises, make your wife sit on top of you when you do a push-up. That'll, that'll really make it uh, tough. So you can always do these resistance, uh, resistance uh, exercises, and, and that'll help make you strong. And again, don't do too much. I mean, at the end of the day, You've never, never done lots of uh, exercises, not lots of uh, um, push-ups and sit-ups. Don't start doing uh, 100 on the first day and then you're stiff for the rest of the time. It's time now to uh, George Green joining us there all the way from Brisbane. Phil Seaton from Perth. Very good. <laughs> Ecuador. Uh, Edgar Lopez from Ecuador is there. Okay, so, the, so again, so in strength, the only way to do it when you've got no weights or anything is just put family and friends on you or, or do it with a chair on top of you. You've got to think out the, outside the box to uh, make things work. The question is, uh, when I'm doing downwind, my surfski always turns to the left. So I'm thinking, uh, Mark, uh, only way that it can only be turning to the left, most boats, all boats uh, around the world will weathercock towards the wind. So what I'm saying is that, that your wind, if you're only turning towards the left every time, uh, there's two reasons why you're turning left. Number one, you must be a right feather paddler. And if you're a right feather paddler, you're always bracing on your left-hand side. And if you brace on your left-hand side, you lean left and your boat turns left. That being said is that if the wind comes from the left-hand side and you're going down a wave, uh, it'll always want to weathercock. The way to stop that is to really try and practice on your right brace. Practice your right brace so that you actually turn right, lean right, and also lean back. That's the important thing. So when you're weathercocking, what happens is your nose is digging in and then it wants to go up into the wind. That's a normal thing that happens. So what you want that to stop that is by um, paddling and, and leaning back and following where you're going. Uh, it's not really a, a, a fault, but most people have that problem. Make sure you don't paddle all the way down the wave. Make sure you stay on the top of the wave and don't go all the way down. And, and as I say, the way to rectify that is to practice surfing right and not always only surfing left. And when you're surfing right, you must brace right. And I'm going to cover that in the first part of the, of the, of the show. Okay, Pam would like to know, Pam, uh, about the Carolina Cup. The Carolina Cup is a, is a race uh, in Wrightsville Beach, uh, uh, North Carolina. Uh, very nice uh, place uh, just outside Wilmington. And uh, that race has been cancelled uh, or postponed. They say it's going to be the end of the year. Uh, again, my travelling will be curtailed a little bit now with this virus around. There's no way I can actually travel with, uh, with uh, all the problems going around with this uh, COVID-19 as, as, as my immune system is a bit compromised. We'll see how compromised it is. But I feel good anyway, so that's the most important thing. So... I think the Carolina Cup will be postponed, uh, they say in October, November, and there's going to be a lot of events that's postponed. So it's funny that here I can't train because my bones aren't 100% strong, but no, nobody else can train. So it's quite fun for me that people aren't getting the better of me. The only difference is when I have my chemo tomorrow, I normally have a lot of uh, steroids, so I'm probably getting stronger than most. Mike McKeo, he's here from all the way from uh, Wollongong. How's it, Michael? Or are you in Sydney? Or are you in lockdown? So it's very interesting. There's a lot of different lockdowns going on. In Sydney, they haven't actually done it, enforced it. UK, they haven't actually enforced it. 
and the USA, they haven't actually enforced it, which has been a problem. You can see, uh, and, and the big pity that I see in South Africa is that we, our lockdown starts uh, at midnight tonight. And yesterday I had a few friends going to the shopping centers. They were packed with people not, not uh, observing their, their social distancing, all very close. And, and I can see that's going to be a big problem. They're all going home. They're shopping as if it's uh, Christmas. And off they go home, and, and hopefully they don't spread the COVID-19 virus. But I'm sure that's happening in a big way in South Africa. I don't know the, the, the numbers that will be coming in shortly, but it, it's growing rapidly in South Africa, and it's going to be a big problem for Africa because it's very hard to social distance yourself when you're living in, uh, in, in uh, a township where you haven't got, actually got running water to clean your hands and you actually haven't got space because they, they packed on top of each other. Okay, the question is, do I do any visualizing of my technique? Um, that's an interesting question because every time uh, before a race, before I go into training, I'm always trying to visualize, trying to improve myself, and I'll sit even in a restaurant and say, okay, this is how I've got to do this. So I, I, more than visualize, I, I, I probably dream of being on the waves and on, on, the, on the water and, and, and try and think about it, uh, my technique all the time. That is one of the most important parts that I, I advocate is technique's going to get you fast, not uh, lots and lots of, lots of training. So that's why this opportunity is perfect. There's Phil Paris-Brown. Dr. Phil's uh, all the way from Aladala, uh, or near Aladala. Um, he's joined us from all the way from the east coast of uh, Australia. Yeah, so visualization is always good. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't think I, I spend enough time doing it, and maybe that's something I should do as well. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the boat, uh, and I do a lot of time coaching, so I spend a lot of time thinking about technique and, and concentrating on technique, and, and so I probably do it more than most, so that's why I probably don't visualize as much. James Mendes, all the way from... James, are you in uh, Hong Kong, or are you in uh, South Africa? A lot of people have uh, had to make a decision where they're going to have uh, lockdown. Some people in Hong Kong, some people in South Africa, some people have flown on the last flights. I, I know a friend of mine, Gavin Dickinson, flew from uh, Dubai on the last front flight yesterday and got into uh, South Africa after many checks, which is a good thing that they had many checks. And now he's, he is in uh, Eastern Cape and he's going to Hogsback. So yeah, James Bend is in Hong Kong. I mean can imagine Hong Kong being an apartment there. I mean, I don't know how bad the lockdown is there. Uh, it's coming our way. Okay, so we've we spent a bit of time. You can The, the, the questions can keep coming. Uh, the question is, do I ever use any sort of paddle grip? It's a good question. I mean, through the years, uh, that has changed a bit. First, uh, used to use a tennis grip. I know Daryl Kong puts a tennis grip on his, on his, on his uh, shaft. Uh, tennis grips, when you're doing three, four, five-hour paddles, they tend to really rip your hands hands apart. So that is a problem. So so I don't I, I've stopped using those. You can a lot of the sprinters, if you're doing two or five hundred meters races, you can use a, a paddle grip, which is normally a tennis grip that's pretty good. Otherwise, I've gone away from uh, my new Brutcher paddles. They 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 really nice and smooth, very smooth. As you can see here, super smooth. And all I do is I put a bit of wax on it uh, and the wax helps uh, my paddles not uh, slipping. So that's all I use nowadays because the more wax you put on, the more blisters you get. 
as soon as you're going in like a Molokai, we've got uh, 52 kilometers, three and a half hours, uh, the grips become uh, really messy on your hands. And you only find that out after you've done it a few times. What is the one thing I would focus on if I was a beginner paddler? Yeah, that's a good question. And uh, it's funny, and, and I've, I've done this because I became a beginner golfer in 1990 when, uh, when I was banned from doing the Molokai. I decided I'm going to go and do golf. And the one thing you realize that technique and time in the water is worth more than spending a lot of money on fancy boats and fancy paddles and things like that. So spend your money on lessons as opposed to spend your money on on boats and expensive boats. So I really, I really think in life, rather educate yourself first, learn from the best as opposed to trying it on your own and failing and then not, not understanding how it all works. And then once you've gone down that route where you haven't had professional lessons and haven't got the right advice, you have to, it takes a lot of effort to undo, uh, um, undo that, uh, that bad, bad stuff that you've learnt on all those those times that you've been uh, doing things without any advice, you know. So in retrospect, if I was a beginner paddler, find a good coach, learn the basics, and and again, I'm, I'm going to go through the basics because this is a perfect opportunity to go through the basics of, of what you want to uh, achieve when you're paddling, and and it always starts. Now we've got 21 days to think about our technique. You can't actually paddle. All the beaches in South Africa are closed, by the way. Uh, some guys are lucky in Pawnee Dam or, or private dams. You may be able to paddle. We're not allowed to paddle at all. Uh, we're not allowed to go to the beach. Everything's on lockdown. So we're going to really have to concentrate on trying to get our technique correct. Uh, there's Stuart Lowe from the Multiple Myeloma Group. He's also got the same uh, disease as me. He's been fighting it for five or six years or even seven years and uh, doing a very successful job. Uh, we're on the similar uh, chemo regimes and, and uh, watch the space. We're going to try and make a difference with uh, multiple myeloma in South Africa and around the world, which is an interesting uh, cancer. There's no cure for it, but we can sort of treat with it, treat it and uh, live with it. Uh, but everything else is uh, good. Okay, so I think it's time now to clear and uh, we're going to start going back to basics. Here's my makeshift uh, paddling, and and uh, this is what you really want to understand is, and we're going to go right back to the basics. So the nice thing is, people will be recording this. This is a wing paddle. This is a wing paddle. You can see the shape of it. It's like a wing, and and it's curved like this, designed in like '95. Fantastic thing. So we're going to go back to all the basics. The first thing is. Where do I hold my paddle? Where do I hold my paddle? Yes, on the shaft is correct. On the shaft is correct. And what space? Everything I'm going to teach you this morning has got a reason. It's thought out cleverly and done cleverly. It's not just because I think it's done. I don't, I'm one of those people that don't just follow like a sheep. I want to make sure that you understand everything. And we're going to go through a few parts because every, every week on, on Thursday at 8 o'clock, I'll carry on uh, doing my, my teaching. We'll always have an update and then teach. 
If there's questions, if there's questions, just ask questions and they'll come up right there. Okay? But a few questions coming up now. <laughs> Someone recommended to putting wax on my bracha paddle. Yes, as I mentioned earlier on, you might not have been listening. The way I do it is I put a little, a few, uh, uh, and I've actually got, where's my paddle going? Oh, it was there. I don't know why it's been taken away. Claire always wants to be everything clean. So I just put a few streaks of, of, uh, of um, wax here. Again, too much wax will give you blisters. Too little wax and it's too slippery. So the secret about the wax is that you put it on both sides very, very lightly so that after 15, 20 minutes, the wax gone and you've got a beautiful smooth uh, surface. With the smooth surface, you won't get any blisters on a, on a long paddle. So the, the shorter the, the, the race, the more wax I'll put on, so I've got more grip to start off with. Another question there, okay? What is the best tip to stop gripping the paddle too tight when paddling into the wind and swell? That's okay. from James. From James, yes. The whole thing is there, it's, it's a mental thing. When you're paddling, when the wind's howling out there, and, and you, you think you have to hold this paddle. This paddle weighs 800 grams, you don't have to hold it very tight. What I try and think, it's like a hook. When the paddle, and if the paddle's in the water all the time, your hand is like this like a hook you never have to grab it don't have to grab it if you're just hooking it in the water it's in the water you don't have to grab it hard so it's a mental thing when the wind gets hard and that's why i always say when the wind's hard and you have to go for a brace when you do your brace stroke open your hands that's going to make you feel more comfortable every time you brace and you feel unstable open your hands if you're opening your hands that's going to make you more relaxed and if you're more relaxed you're going to be more stable and you won't grip that paddle no more questions. Okay, so here we go again. Back on where do we hold the paddle? We hold the paddle on the shaft and we hold it very lightly. That's very important. Very lightly. Should I go further back? It's fine. Is it fine? Okay. Hold it very lightly and um, then we hold it at, when you put your paddle on your head, right, like that, your, your, your elbow should be between 90 and sort of uh, 85, 80 degrees, okay? The reason why we hold it like that and not like this, okay? Because a lot of sea kayaks hold their paddle shoulder width. They've been told shoulder width, which makes some sense if you don't know anything. Because if I sit here and I touch the thing, have a look there, zoom in, I can look where, how far I can get my paddle with my hands nice and narrow, right? And notice my body, Notice my body is flat, but I'm getting a long, a long stretch. Okay, now, if I put my paddles at 90 degrees, my, hand, my arms at 90 degrees, like that, because remember, when you learn to push up, when you learn to pull up, this is a natural thing, but the most important reason why I have it at 90 degrees is that now, when I put my paddle forward, you can see how short it is, there and there. So now, if I have my paddles at 90, my arms at 90 degrees, it forces me to get to the same place I have to rotate. Notice the rotation and then in. Okay, so rotate and then in. As opposed to holding my hands this narrow, right? And I can get to the same spot, but notice no body movement. So you'll find that when you're paddling along, a lot of people, hands slip this way. And many people, when they're paddling along, their hands get narrower and narrower and narrower. And they think they're doing better and better. All that happens 
is they're doing less and less rotation. Okay, so when your hands are too narrow, you end up padding out here. You think you've got good leverage, but notice my body, there's absolutely no rotation. Okay, no rotation. When your hands are apart, for me to get to the same place as when my hands together, I have to rotate. Notice the rotation. Notice my legs are moving automatically. I have to think about it, and then I go in. Notice there, and then I go in. So that's the first thing. So your, your hands, so always check it out that your, your hands are at the right spacing so that you've got enough gap. And it's the same as doing a push-up, the same as doing a pull-up. It's very natural, okay? And the most important reason why you have it at 90 degrees, your elbows, is so it forces you to rotate. Because this wing paddle was designed to use your body and not your arms. No matter whether you're a sea kayaker, any kind of paddling, a wing paddle is going to be far more efficient than a flat paddle. A flat paddle will go like this in the ocean and in the water, and a wing paddle will go in and automatically go out. Okay, so that's the first thing is where do we hold our paddle? Okay, the next thing is, and people, most people don't even know that this paddle, as if you look down here, is bent down. And it's bent down. Most people don't even know, and from there, that angle you can see it's bent down. Because that's the next most important thing about all paddle sports. When you're doing sub paddling, any kind of paddling, your blade is down. The reason is, is that this wing paddle, or any blade, works fantastically well when it's vertical, and when it's forward like that, no problem, up to there to vertical. Once this blade goes past vertical, this blade goes past vertical, where do you think the power is going? The power is going up into the sky, and this is for any sport, and if it's going into the sky, it's not pushing us forward. So your blade works very well from here to here. The minute our blade goes past vertical, we're doing a lot of energy for getting absolutely no benefit. Yeah. The best analogy is, and it's very simple, if this was a big 90 horsepower Yamaha, and I had a big propeller here, and off I went, like, like this, it would be fantastic, big power, 90 horsepower. The minute I tilt this engine up, this 90 horsepower uh, Yamaha engine, I just tilt it up like that, and you've seen how it tilts, the power goes into the air, and my boat doesn't go forward. In fact, it gets tilted up like this, and it splashes away. And I can't reiterate enough, that is what a 90 horsepower engine does. It's got all the power, but it can't use it. And it's the same thing with people. That's the biggest mistake I see with people. Always pushing their paddle too far back and not leaving it in front and stopping before it goes past vertical. Because when I'm going past vertical, I'm like that 90 horsepower engine. I cannot use it. I cannot use it. So that's very important to not go past vertical. Okay. That is the most important part of paddling already. Okay, next thing is, how do I stop my paddle going past vertical? Because there's three major mistakes that people make. Three mistakes people make how they make this paddle go past vertical. The first thing is, they normally go to the gym and there's Virgin Active here in Cape Town, they get these big muscles, which I've got none, but other guys get big muscles, and what they do 
is they get to the gym and put big power and they get big muscles. So when they put this paddle in, when they put the paddle in, they use these big muscles and they pull with their arm. If I pull with my arm, you can see how fast this blade is going past vertical. Okay, so go in there and I pull with my arm. There's no way my arm is as strong as my legs. So we gotta try and change this whole thing. That's why when the wing paddle was actually invented, it was invented to take the power from your arms and convert it to put it into your legs. Leg power is far more powerful than arm power. You can just see if I have to do a bench press as opposed to a deadlift, with my legs I can probably do double the weight. So that's what you want to use. And especially for, for paddlers that are a little bit weaker, like, like women paddlers or young kids and things like that, that's when you must really use your legs. Your legs are the most important part. So you don't want to be doing this and this. You want to be putting this paddle in. And if I rotate it again, completely easy. If I rotate, my leg goes forward, power, put it in. And then all I do is drive my legs and my body. Notice my arm hasn't bent. With my arm not bending, have a look. My paddle blade hasn't gone past vertical like that. Okay, so stay there to there, and it's over. As soon as I do this, again, just think about it. Visualize that 90 horsepower engine over here, and you've got no power. I don't care how good you are, if you've got the paddle blade and you spend your life doing this, you are losing power and not getting the advantages. Just look at the other side, very similar. I put it in, instead of doing this, I put it in, I rotate there, in, and I drive with my leg. Okay, drive with my leg. So that's number one. We don't want to be doing this, we want to be doing this and this. Notice this blade doesn't go past vertical. The second reason why most people are paddling past vertical and it's the hardest one to fix is that people spend a lot of time or being taught incorrectly to push, to punch, I don't know, all these funny things and look what happens. If I put this paddle in and I push this top hand forward, look what happens to this paddle blade. Straight away, gone past vertical. So I put the paddle in and the first thing I've been told is to punch look what I've caused. I've caused this blade to go past vertical, I've negated all the power, and I'm not going forward. That's why people spend so much time training the wrong things and they can't get this right. So that is one of the hardest things to get right, because we've been told and taught and incorrectly to put the paddle in there and push our top hand forward. Okay. So what you're going to learn today and this is what takes me on to the next spot topic is the default position. The default position, which I came up with in 1992 because I was sick and tired of the Olympics in 92. I got flogged by Clint Robinson and all the sprinters. Uh, and then after the 92 Olympics, went to Molokai and managed to beat Clint Robinson when I did my own training and my own technique. I kept on dominating ripe old age without doing all the fancy gyms and all the gym sessions to try and get these big muscles that help nobody they just hinder your stroke so what you're going to learn today is that the most important thing about paddling any kind of paddling 
is to try and keep your shaft parallel with your chest. Shaft parallel with your chest. Now, in the old days, when I first started paddling, remember, I've been paddling for about uh, close to 50 years, and those days we're told we paddle like this. This, is, this looks really uh, funny to me now because it's, there's so much effort in keeping my elbows up. So the first thing I decided, I said, no way. I want my elbows down. With my elbows down, straight away I lower my center of gravity. Now my center of gravity is nice and low. And secondly, with my elbows down, I never, ever should have shoulder problems. Look at that. I'm not using one bit of shoulder. So those people that have shoulder problems, you know that it's come from paddling like this, or paddling like this, or like this. That's when you get the shoulder problems. So what you want to be is keep those elbows down. If you keep the elbows down, your center of gravity is down. That is a given. So your center of gravity is down, makes your balance better. My elbows are down, I don't use any shoulders. And another thing, and, I, and it's funny, I had this guy, I think his name is Werner, he wanted to paddle from London to South Africa. And then off he went, he started paddling down the Thames, and then he phones me, sends me a message, hey Oscar, I've, I've, uh, I've, uh, I'm getting sore trapezium muscles. And these are your trapeziums here, your traps. I said, no, but that shouldn't happen. Because as soon as you do this, you're engaging muscles that you don't need to use. Keep the elbows down. Now, that is number one. So we've really said it makes you more, more stable because my center of gravity is down. It makes my shoulders more, uh, I don't even have to ever use them because I'm gonna, not even going to use them. And the most important part, when your elbows are down, you're engaging your core. When you paddle like this, notice my body, there's no core whatsoever. When my elbows are down and I want to rotate, notice there and notice there engages my core and if I engage my core my legs work automatically you're gonna focus there there you can see how my legs go and most people can do this very easily except when they get in the boat then they have problems so it's very simple to be like this in this position and, and shaft parallel to your chest always about 30 centimeters away 30 centimeters away is, is good enough not too close although I'll, I'll work through some exercise later on in our, in our, in our series. It's not to be right here, but 30 centimeters away to give you some, some space. So this is my default. This is what you should always be. This is your default. This is the most important part of the stroke, is that you want to be parallel, your shaft parallel to your chest, to stop this movement. So what do you want to actually do? Look at the difference. This and this which engages shoulders, no core, and or this. This is how you get your paddle blade forward without using your arms. Guess what? If I rotate like that, notice that, and I rotate like that, what have I used? Have a look. Legs, core, and chest, but no arms. Negate these arms. It's funny. That I've been teaching this, as I say, since 1992. And then the sprinters said, no, 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 we always want to be like this. No, no, that's, for, that's just a surfski stroke. Believe in me. It's taken them, it does take paddlers and it takes a lot of people because they all follow each other. This is the Russian way, the Hungarian way. This is how you do it. There's no other way. Believe in me. All the sprinters, all the sprinters are slowly, as they're going along, they're going from here to here. 
everybody. In fact, uh, uh, last story I was teaching Nello, he said, no, no, no. He says, uh, I, I paddle like that, and obviously he's old school. And eventually, even he realized, no, this is the right way to paddle. Keep your elbows down, keep your shoulders relaxed, and feel the core working as opposed to feel the arms working. Try and negate using your arms. You don't need big arms to be a good paddler. You really want to be locked in and off you go and paddle. Yeah, so that's the number second. So the number one rule for this paddle to go past, stop this paddle to go past vertical is not to pull with the arms. And the second one is not to push with our arms. Okay, very important push. So the, the correction for that is to put it in and use my legs and legs and on the top hand not to do this but to do that and drive my shoulder forward drive my shoulder forward and don't push the hands forward yeah so that's two the third one <coughs> more south african thing is dropping your top hand so what happens if people paddling along and they drop their hand if i drop my top hand a lot of people do this especially in South Africa, maybe they're paddling against the wind too much, they drop their hand. So if I drop my hand, what happens is this blade goes past vertical automatically. Okay, this blade goes past, as soon as I drop my hand, the blade goes past vertical. Now, what is actually happening, it's not your top hand dropping. Actually what happens is you paddle along, the paddle gets stuck here, because you haven't taken it out early, and it pulls your hand down. So those people that are hitting the boat on the one side or hitting the boat on the other side is because they leave this paddle in too long, the paddle gets pulled and normally pulled across and then you hit the side of the boat. So the same thing happens here, I paddle gets locked in, hits, uh, pulls my arm across and down and then I hit the side of the boat. Those people that are hitting the side of the boat is because you're pulling too far back. So understand that your hand and, and, and rowing and, and my friend uh, Ivan Lord, I don't know if he's watching, Ivan Lloyd always say, and this is for all those rowing people, that rowing is like a monkey on a stick. Because your hand, your, your oar is locked in an oar lock, and off you go, and you just row. You, you, there's not that much technique involved. So understand that you want to be the same as a rower. So this hand becomes an oar lock. If you leave this at the exact same spot here, that what will happen is the paddle will come out automatically. If you let this oar lock drop, the paddle will go and stay in the water. So you must have this locked up here. So if I'm going along here, I, I lock this in, and if I lock it in, this paddle will come out automatically, and I lock this in. So we've got a moving oar lock, but this is still an oar lock. Now one, we don't want to grip it, we just hold it, same like your rowing, they're just there, and the, the, the blade goes in and out, so you really want to be locked in. Okay, so that is not gripped like that, it's locked in. So this stays the same height. And again, the big mistake a lot of people do is that, as I've showed you now, there and there is huge rotation. This is not rotation. As soon as I get into this position and I do that, that is not rotation. Notice my body hasn't actually moved. My body hasn't actually moved, but I think I'm doing good rotation. That is not rotation. Again, and a lot of people do that. Move across like that and don't actually rotate. So some people say, no, no, I can actually rotate all the way across. Believe me, it's very difficult 
in, in, in a boat to get all the way across. That's why you shouldn't be going across the boat. The reason why you're going across the boat is you're disconnecting your shoulders from the stroke and then I can go right across. So clever, but it doesn't help you in your stroke. What is Claire laughing about? Who's made a comment? No, because I do that. Do you use a sponge seat insert or is it better for your bum to be able to move around? This okay. is from Gary. Gary, yeah. So the question is, do I use a, bunch, a, 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 a butt pad? Yes. Yes, I can use a butt pad. I can only use a butt pad if it's completely slippery. So if you're using a, a normal camping mattress and you've cut it up and it's normally that normal foam, all you have to do is put a, put a, a shopping bag on top of it. And if you put a shopping bag on top of it, it will be nice and slippery. So again, butt pads, I might as well go on to that. Butt pads are very uh, uh, interesting things. The higher your butt pad goes up, the more unstable you are. So that's one way of making your, your stable boat into an unstable boat is by putting butt pads, one, two, three, four, five inches on them, and, and then you'll make your stable boat unstable. It's an interesting thing about uh, stability, and, and a lot of people always ask this question, is that how do I improve my stability? The whole thing about paddling, and this is why our, our sports now are slowly growing, is that we've got stable boats. But the funnier thing is everybody wants the most unstable because they think it goes faster. So what you do is you get your stable boat and put butt pads, two, three, four, five, all the way up to, to really high. So you become comfortable because what happens is when you are stable, when you're nice and stable, you actually, um, you're confident and you can brace nicely and all those things work very well. Yeah, so it's funny, I, I, in China, uh, Tyrell and, and Jean were the two guys that were paddling sea kayaks and they wanted to paddle a K1. I said, the only way you do it, in your sea kayak, just keep on putting, you can go right up, you can hold it like that, all the way up. No, you don't have to hold it at the bottom, the camera's just around right the top. Okay, so, so Jean and said, they wanted to paddle a K1. So I said, okay, let's just take your, your sea kayaks and eventually I had them paddling on foam blocks this big in their sea kayaks and learning the stability and learning how to get comfortable. And then eventually, um, they, once after about a week or two, paddling in their sea kayaks with big uh, foam blocks like that, they got in, into their K1 and paddled away. So that's how you improve by using a stable boat and make it unstable by putting back pads. But the most important thing is you have to be slippery. I've got person Ashley Barnes she keeps on saying no I need a butt pad I've got such a small ask and Anna and then she puts a butt pad you can have a butt pad but the most important thing about that butt pad it must have a very slick surface because what she said no no this I've got these special pants and I've got that uh, double side I said I don't care when she jumped in the back of a double of, of the Nello 600 double and did a Miller's run with me with no butt pad and just with this very slippery surface on, on the on the, on the Nello boat she said, oh, now I understand what you're saying, was she could slide so much and rotate much better. If you're rotating better, you're using your legs more, and that gives you more power, because that's, that's the bottom line. Okay, we've got 15 minutes left of my podcast, and we'll just keep on going. Uh, I think we'll take a, a few questions for those people that are out there. And uh, remember, we've got to be safe. We are, I don't know how long, it's probably, uh, yeah, about... 14 or 13 hours before we go into 24-hour lockdown, uh, make 
make hay while the sun shines before you get locked down make sure you've got the provisions uh, I can see it's going to be tough for some people uh, think of it as an opportunity as opposed to uh, a chore remember get some audible books uh, I talked about two great audible books is, is uh, Unbroken and, and uh, The Boys in the Boat and then other great books I like to read I'm, I'm reading about the, the uh, Tim Noakes' book on his trial against uh, Big Pharma and, and, and Big uh, Food. Uh, it's, it's called, I think it's called Real Food on Trial, which is a great book also to, it's to read or to listen to. I only listen to them, I don't read them. And obviously there's a many series on Netflix. Thank goodness Netflix arrived in time for the coronavirus. Uh, be positive out there and uh, next week I'll work on... Uh, uh, the forward stroke and the brace stroke. Um, let's see how many people we can have online getting coached in the middle of the COVID-19 uh, crisis. Okay, what is the question today? From um, Phil, what do you feel when your catch is optimal? What do I feel when my catch is optimal? The whole thing is when my paddle goes in, when it goes in and I know it's done correctly, that I've got no splash, I've got no sound. The paddle, the paddle just, just sort of disappears into the water. Remember the catch, it has to be all the way up to here, right, only up to here, not deeper and not less, which most people do. So it feels like it's going in and I feel the power at the beginning of the stroke that I, that I, can, that I can pull back and, and I know the boat's going forward. So the whole thing is to, to make sure that paddle goes in so when it's in it feels like it's stuck in cement and i'm just pole vaulting past it okay so that's when i know but the ultimate catch is that i've had no splash what happens to a lot of people they get a little splash here which if they get a little splash here what that means is that they've started pulling before they've got the paddle back so if you've got any splash here means you've started your stroke started pulling in the air and pulling in the air doesn't help anybody that's not going to make you go forward. So if you've got a little splash, you know you haven't got it. Then the other thing is very important, and I see so many people missing that, your paddle must be 90 degrees to the boat this side, and 90 degrees to the boat that side. Because so many people say, I'm on 65 degrees, and they put the paddle on this side, this way, and on this side, maybe 90 degrees. So they never get it actually perfect. So what you want to do is make sure it's at 90 degrees there, and it must be making no splash, and you must feel the power at the start of the stroke. And, okay, the next one is how do you work out correct paddle lengths? Oh my this God. is from Shane. That'll probably be for next. I think what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to just give you a, a broad outline, but next, next week we will cover paddle length because understand paddle length is, is something that I've also gone against the grain, just like paddle feather and and. and and people say, oh no, this is how you work out your paddling. You go like this and check. Now this is my paddle, my racing paddle, and this is how I finish every Monica. I think I'm making a mistake. That's why I've only won 12. I could have won more if I had the right length paddle. I don't think so. Okay, so this is my paddle that I actually use. It's a bracha with a special shaft, and no matter how long I make it, it's still not gonna be long enough. So paddle length is determined by the strength of yourself and how you feel and your technique. But what I'll do is the next uh, next uh, edition at uh, 
in exactly seven days time, I'm going to go through paddling very carefully and thoroughly so you understand. But the bottom line is paddlings are determined, your strength, your technique, and, and then uh, how you're feeling on each given day. So I won't go into more detail on that, but at the end of the day, when this adjustment came out, you should have been adjusting your paddle. This, is, this, this paddle is exactly like your bicycle cog. This is your back cog and this is your front cog. This is determined, your, you can have a big blade with lots of gears here, and it's the same thing in, in a bicycle. And your mountain bikes, actually now, they actually copied us. There's not too many people that change their blade in the middle of the Monaco, but they change their paddle length in the middle of the Monaco or in the middle of any race. You should be learning to change your paddle length. Okay. What is the difference between the new Matt Bratcher paddle and the previous Surfski Extra Light model? Well, basically they are same. This is this is actually you can see it's still a Surfski. It's still very strong. I mean, they they the difference between a Bratcher paddle and any other paddle is that they make it with no core. It's pure carbon. Bratcher. In fact, I've got a friend that went to Vilnius. Now I've been to the factory where they make the carbon. So they take the carbon tow from Japan and all these places and they put many layers, there's more than 12 layers here, obviously like 20 layers around this area, but they make it very, very strong. So what they've done, so that you avoid, because the biggest problem with all uh, uh, paddles, the weakest point is when you do for, go for a brace, that you don't want this paddle to break. This paddle has gone down the Fish River, it's done every race, it's really, really steady, sturdy. The difference in the mat, this is, this is actually a very difficult process, that's why it's slightly more expensive, and the new shafts, this is actually, I uh, didn't bring my, my special shaft, but this is the same shaft. It's got the 12-time Oscar Chalupski version. It is, is uh, the carbon, and this is where another mistake people make. People think that carbon shafts must be stiff. I always hear, oh no, carbon, and this 60% carbon, 40, that doesn't count. What makes shafts stiff is what, the way you line up the, the, the filaments. So if, my, if this blade, if this uh, shaft had carbon or glass going this way, it would be stiff as anything. If I put carbon just wrapped around this way, it will be bendy as anything. Yes, glass is more stiffer than carbon. But if I had a glass shaft that had glass, glass sh uh, strands going this way and none this way, it will be stiffer than a sh carbon, 100% carbon shaft done this way. So what I've done working with the uh, Arunas and, 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 and um, in, in Lithuania is that this shaft has got the carbon uh, toe at angle. So the more angle you have it, the stiffer it will be. If you have the, the carbon toe going straight down the shaft like this, it will be stiff. And the more angle you have, it's, it's more flexible. But it's still a 100% carbon shaft, but very flexible. You'll find in the ocean, and as you get older, and, and if you're not doing sprinting and you're doing long paddles, you want a fairly a fairly soft shaft and that's what uh, Bratcha developed with me to make a soft shaft, a light shaft, a light paddle but very durable and very strong. So it's, it's a more, exp more expensive process this matte, matte finish, I really like it uh, and uh, this paddle is a year and a half old and as you can see it's done the cellar descent, it's done the Fish River Marathon, it's done, done everything and absolutely no problem, whether it's in the river or in the sea, 
it works fantastically well because we're doing long distance so you want a really soft shaft you don't want a stiff shaft stiff shafts for 200 and then you're slightly less for 500 and slightly less stiffer for a thousand meter and then when as soon as you go over a thousand meter you want a bit of forgiving otherwise your your joints and everything seizes up with the with the power and one more question is there some difference in rough condition due to shoulder position lift up as in white water and hand stretching yeah i mean the, the thing is in rough conditions what happens to most people i can tell you right now this is how they paddle and i'm going to watch in my, my friend pierre stradham's house here is that in normal paddling this is what normal paddling is there you can see how i rotate as soon as i get anxious and i get rough conditions the first thing happens i grip my paddle if i grip my paddle everything becomes solid and then i start paddling like this now notice that my elbows and if i hold my arm tight notice what my elbow does okay if i hold my hand tight on the shaft look what my elbow does if i loosen my hand look what my elbow does and therefore my shoulder goes down so what actually happens the more uh, uh, nervous you get the tighter you hold your paddle and if you hold your paddle tight that happens if i loosen my hand watch how i do it it comes down okay so that's what you've got to concentrate on a lot is that in rough conditions really concentrate that's why i say every time you go on a brace open your hands open your hands this side brace open your hands if you open my hands exactly if i'm holding my hands this happens if i loosen my hands that will happen so you really want to loosen your hands so that your shoulders should be the same so the good paddlers around the world when they're paddling in 20 foot waves 40 knot winds it should feel like they're paddling on a lake it must be the same technique there's no reason to change your technique for different conditions make the same conditions that the only thing you will do and getting back to my paddling question is that you'll change maybe your paddling to be very unstable you'll make your paddling shorter make your cadence shorter that's it okay so now that is a uh, three minutes to uh to nine o'clock uh I don't know how many people we had on uh, watching and next week we'll try and make it more and we'll give you more uh, insight into paddling how to paddle better and we can learn uh, all these new tricks and we can think about it sitting in a lounge uh, make the paddle a bit shorter so you don't break any of the ornaments uh, and stay safe don't uh, don't go out you'll spread the virus and especially you might be spreading it to me which is which we'll see I still don't believe that a virus can take me down, but uh, cancer's trying and they, they're failing at the moment. The virus is also trying and they're failing at the moment. Again, be upbeat, uh, make, take this opportunity and do something with it. Don't waste your 21 day or your lockdown. Enjoy it and we'll see you. Well, we've only got, we've got two more minutes. We'll see you uh, next week, same time, 8 o'clock, South African time, uh, for the next episode of... Uh, coaching and then go to uh, coachchalipski.com uh, you can check it out and don't forget all our, our factory workers in Nello are still working you can still get your new Nello Serskis which are, are getting made uh, what they did in Nello is they actually made four shifts they're working 24 hours but it's much smaller groups uh, the office staff's gone away in fact we've only got three people in the office in a big area so they really are adhering to all the laws in Portugal, they've already got 2,000 uh, cases. Uh, in South Africa, when I last checked, was 700. And they've had 43 deaths. In South Africa, we had none so far that I know. So 
believe me, this is no Mickey Mouse thing and it's going to be tough for Africa, tough for South America and uh, if the Western world is struggling with it, you can imagine that us third world guys are going to take it a, a little bit harder. So stay safe uh, for those South Africans. Get your booze today because you won't have 21 days of not getting it. And thanks for watching and we'll see you next week. Hope we have uh, more people spread the word and you'll, this will go out and you can watch it again at a later stage. Thanks for tuning in and be safe. Hi there, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, if you want to join Oscar's club or get access to his free technique video series, you can do that by visiting coachchalupski.com.